welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. Each episode will have a different theme, and we'll talk about things that help to bring that theme to real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the heart or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. In season two of Things That Will Help, I did an episode called Beauty Marks. And it was about small, ordinary things of beauty and making note of them. And I recorded this episode during a time of personal uncertainty. And I was at a low point in trying to find ways to remember wonder and majesty just in the course of my regular day. And after that episode dropped... I received more emails, more responses than with any other episode in the history of this podcast. So many people wrote to me and told me it was their favorite episode. And after I thought about it more, I decided it was because all of us are craving beauty marks because the world has seemed pretty heavy overall. And so we have to train our eyes to see things that tie us to goodness, especially now. And I think it's a practice and one that's completely worth doing in hopes of not missing the the richness that life can have. And so I've decided to do a Beauty Marks Part 2 because now we're in a different season and my Beauty Marks are new and I'm really hungry to report them to you. I'll begin with the words of a young woman, Amanda Gorman, who marked my entire week with hope, beauty, and absolute wonder. These words, her words, I want to memorize and remember. She said in her poem she recited during the inauguration, There is always light, if only we're brave enough to see it. If only we're brave enough to be it. I learned last week that a friend, CK, short for Cowboy Kyle, died on December 29th. Sometimes you know when you meet somebody that they're not made for this world. CK made that impression on me. He reminded me of Benjamin in a notable way. He was bright, he was introspective, he was kind and quiet and observant. He was also rebellious, intolerant of social norms, and in some ways he was reckless and unsettled. And my intuition told me that he wouldn't be here long. And I'm dedicating this whole episode to him because he was a beauty mark and like many things beautiful, he was snuffed out too soon. This is the lesson I learned from Benjamin's death and the one we all learn when we lose somebody close. Life is suddenly more precious, more real, more beautiful, and in a way more urgent. It's the legacy that always remains when young people leave the world. My friend Laura told me that it's really normal for four-year-olds to be obsessed with death. Long ago, I stopped worrying about what normal is. 
kids, they come in and they are who they are. And Otis has shattered many of the molds of normalcy and expectedness that I had before I was a mother. But he does talk about death a lot. He's fascinated about how old people are when they die, and he will spend the better part of the day asking probing questions about life trajectories and times of death. I may have told you this before, so I apologize if it's repetitive, but I'll never forget the time when he was three on the way to school that I had to tell him the drummer of Led Zeppelin had died. Now, Realize John Bonham died in 1980, but Otis had high hopes they were still touring and that he could one day go to a concert. And I kind of have always promised to be honest with him when he asked me a direct question. And so I told him, and he sobbed the rest of the car ride. And I then had to explain to his preschool teachers that he was crying because he had just learned that Led Zeppelin had broken up. My beauty marks this week sharper and more in focus because of the news about CK. Start with winter. Number one, the trouble to bundle up, to put on cozy layers, and the time it takes to take a cold walk, and the refreshing cold on my cheeks that Colorado allows all to come back to a warm home, Warmer than I remembered before I left. Blood flow. Daily beauty. Two working legs and good shoes. Number two. The memory of live performance. Now we know, if we didn't before, the magic of live shows because we've had a loss of it. And what a void that has left this year. But this week, just the memory of it has been a beauty mark for me and the knowing that it'll come back someday. A long time ago, I used to date a stand-up comedian named Kenneth in his freshy days in Chicago. And it was exhilarating and really painful to sit there by myself at a table with a beer and watch him either soar or crash. Sometimes he would catch a wave of laughter, and I would ride it with him and feel so grateful for the audience. And sometimes he would edge up against the audience and create tension on purpose because he was smart and interesting and totally willing to be in the live space of unease with the room for the sake of his art. This is a beauty mark, live performance, and that tension that it holds. Number three, Tightening handles. Coretta has this dresser in her room, and the drawer pulls have been loose since her birth. And I've noticed them with every pull all the months long this year. And this week, I took 10 minutes to tighten them. And it sort of feels ridiculous now to have felt like such a victim. How much time this year collectively have I been irritated by the wobbliness of these little wooden knobs and it was fixed in 10 minutes and they'll get loose again and next time I won't wait so long. Beauty mark. Number four, giving away clothes and books and clutter that feels like giving away depression. 
things that I've held on to out of guilt, things that I've held on to for somebody else because I paid a lot, because somebody else paid a lot. Goodwill got some treasures this week for me, and I felt some depression lift. And when I open my closet, it is sparse and neat. Number five. I received a gift recently, a book called Mississippi Vegan. And this big, hearty, southern man named Timothy Packron, who I just think is fantastic, and who is an amazing chef and gorgeous food photographer, came out with this cookbook. And it's robust and substantial, beautifully photographed southern comfort food, but vegan, which is a rare combination. And my favorite part is that each recipe comes with a story that he wrote about how the recipe came to be, and he tells something special and southern about its origin. Totally up my alley, as you might expect. Today I made one of the recipes in the book called Peanut Stew, and it was so delicious, and my whole family loved it. And I plan to work my way through the whole book. And this man and this wonderful book, Mississippi Vegan, are beauty marks if I've ever seen them. Number six, when I lived in Japan temporarily, one of my favorite things about the country was the quality of the pens and the paper, exquisite stationery, envelopes, journals, and the pens. The heads of the pens are so delicate and small, and they write with such precision, and they never smear. So now I order pens in bulk from Japan. I cannot recommend this enough. And once you've tried them, American pens will never suffice. Number seven. For our anniversary each year, Matt and I get each other art. We pick something made by an actual artist. And try to, we try to choose something that will remind us of why we chose each other. And then we try and keep the most important things in the front. Last year... I bought him two small pieces by a local artist named Julia Martin. She calls them five-minute chickens. They are small little gorgeous squares of aquas and reds and greens and yellows. These little abstract chickens, colorful and kind of collage-like. And there is also the number five somewhere on both of the pieces. And the story goes that her family has a five-minute check-in daily just to make sure that everybody's okay and to find out where everybody's coordinates are. It keeps them on course and keeps them healthy. Well, Julia, like me, is Southern. So her husband started to tease her that when she said five-minute check-in, it sounds like five-minute chicken. And there it went. She started painting these five-minute chickens and of course, as soon as she told me about it, I wanted to buy them, two of them, for us because Matt and I always hope to check in on each other, even when the week is full and stormy. And these beautiful little pieces hang in our bedroom by the threshold. So I think of why they matter every day 
clear communication. Thank you, chickens. You are a beauty mark for me. Number eight. It has been a really windy week. I usually hate the wind. It makes me feel unsettled, nervous, unglued, and kind of anxious. This week was no different. But the wind's presence made me grateful for when I noticed the opposite, when I noticed stillness. And I noticed when it wasn't windy, how my system felt more calm and how my kids cried less. Sometimes the beauty marks are in the things that help us notice other things and the contrast is important to feel the beauty of their absence. Number nine, a good handy person. I have searched for years for a good handy person, somebody who can tinker with things and fix all the weird stuff that goes wrong in a house. Things that are not as simple as tightening the drawer pulls, but things that take head-scratching time and skills and talents that I do not possess. I found him. His name is Ed. He is methodical and slow and a beauty mark indeed. Number 10. The simple act of saying no without explanation or qualification. I still do not know how to do this. My southern need to over-explain steps in, and I tend to trip over my own adjectives when I'm trying to draw a clear boundary with folks. It's so hard for me. Matt, however, is not southern, nor does he talk very much. Sometimes he just simply says no. That's it. I'm going to try it someday. And in the meantime, I will beauty market in others. Number 11. Sometimes you just need to get a new plant. You know, the ones you have now, the crusty old ones that no longer seem to be alive, but you've hated to throw them out. You've been talking to them, but they no longer seem to want to be here. It's time. Treat yourself to some fresh, full plants that represent abundance. Dear Matt, the succulents are dead, and I need a course before we can buy any more of these. Number 12, I've upped my intake of vitamin D, magnesium, and calcium. As it turns out, almost all of these are things that most of us are deficient in. Vitamin D cannot be absorbed effectively without taking calcium alongside it, apparently. Number 13. My dad always told me to spend money on good tires and quality mattresses. Many miles of sleeping and driving will be supported by these upgrades. And I have found this advice to be solid even when I'm low on cash. If you're in the market for either of these things, go for the best quality that you can. You won't be sorry. This beauty mark is brought to you by Jimmy Barfoot. Number 14. This week's culinary beauty mark is carrots. Those baby carrots, those little carrots cut lengthwise in thin strips, sautéed in a generous amount of butter and salt until they are brown, a little bit on the edges, and they just melt in your mouth. Super simple. And they taste like buttery candy.
Number 15. Coretta Bear, my one-year-old, does this, this thing. She lies down on her belly pretty regularly, so somebody will come rub her back. And after a couple of rubs, she's back up and doing her thing and is busy. But she's so squishy and gleeful, and whoever sees her lay down first, whether it's me or Matt or Otis, we run over to her and rub her back. It's pretty clever on her part, and we are, we're delighted to give her this moment, no matter what we have to drop to do it. And I think we need a name for it, but it's so very cute and heartwarming and a beauty mark that happens a few times an hour at our house. Number 16, hibiscus tea. I have been craving the tartness of hibiscus tea, and I looked up the benefits. It's super rich in vitamin C, great for lowering high blood pressure, and helpful for the urinary tract and kidneys. And I was clued in once again to the wisdom of body cravings and how they help guide us to the right nutritional medicine. So listen to what your body is asking for and find out the benefits of it so you can feed yourself well. Number 17. When you give a book as a gift, I encourage you to sign it. I have some books that are well-worn treasures to me, signed by my dad or somebody else beloved that is gone. And I pull these people in every time I open the book. Coretta and Otis have an entire library of children's books that my mother has given them over the years, all signed with a little note from her. And I know they're going to be pure gold to them one day and to me. Number 18, my granny, the one who secretly went to fortune tellers, even though she was Southern Baptist and it was forbidden, used to always say, the sun's going to shine in your back door someday. She said it often and to anyone around her that was blue or struggling, and I'm sure she said it to herself. I found out later, much later in life, that it's an old blues song. And I'm not sure she even knew that, but I think she was right. And I'll take it as regular medicine for those days in the dark. Otis's last. Otis wakes up very early and he came and got me around 5 or 5.30 last week before the sun had come up. And he dragged me sleepily into his room where he'd already opened the curtain and he pointed to the sky, and he showed me one of the prettiest sunrises I had seen in a long time. It was bright pink, and fire orange sort of swirled together, and we both stared. And then he got distracted, and he started talking to me about some toy or a book on his shelf. And we got into a discussion then about breakfast. After a couple minutes... He ran back to the window, and the colors had changed, and the blue morning had started to come in. The spectacular sunset that we had seen a couple minutes before had dispersed into an ordinary-looking sky. Tears welled up in his big blue eyes, and he looked at me, and I was surprised how shocked he seemed. 
I can sometimes forget how tender he is. And he said, it's gone, Mama. It's gone. Where did it go? Will we ever get to see it again? And I said, no, honey, not that one. But we'll see so many pretty ones over our lifetime. And he wailed. But not that one. That one is gone forever. He said over and over again. I just listened and I held him and I rocked him. And I knew it was bigger than the sunset for him. He's starting to understand his big spirit and his four-year-old body. That even the most beautiful things don't last. And maybe even especially the most beautiful things don't last. And that part of the sweetness is that we get to see it for a while. We have to soak it in. Philip Roth from The Dying Animal says, You tasted it. Isn't that enough? Of what do you ever get more than a taste? That's all we're given in this life. That's all we're given of life. A taste. There is no more. I thought about Benjamin. I thought about Cowboy Kyle and my friend Leslie, who is dear, dear friends with him. And all the people who leave too early, the people that you can almost tell are not going to be here long because there is something wounded or fragile or fleeting about them. This quality that makes us know they are this way is the same quality that makes them beautiful and magnetic. Just this morning, over an egg and orange juice, Otis looked at me and he said, Mama, I wish death wasn't such a thing. Me too, buddy. Me too. But I told him, because it is, it helps us remember not to miss the beauty of it. He didn't say anything else. He just ate his breakfast and looked at me. Thanks, everybody, for listening today and for listening always. I so appreciate your support. If you'd like to become a patron of this podcast, you can find out more information about that on the show notes. What I hope for you and for all of us this week and onward is that we really start to mark the beauty that we see along the way, the ordinary small things, so that they add up to big things and accumulate into a life. Thanks so much.